just clapping. Give him your heart. Give him your, your rejoicing. I think he's worthy of all praise. We need to glorify him. How do you cast the devil down? Just start praising God. Amen. Thank you for that song again. <laughs> Amen. Good to be in church tonight. Good to be here at the end of almost the end of the year, but a year unlike any other year. And uh, we're coming to a Christmas season like no other, and a year-end like no other. But I'll tell you what, I'm happy to be in church. That's one thing. I'm, if you're connected, God bless you. Happy to have you connected as well. Amen. I just want to mention um, a couple of quick updates just regarding a Brother Lloyd Smith. Sister May had sent me a little note yesterday. Brother Ed, just to give you an update, he's doing a lot better. He has no numbness. He went for an angiogram, an echocardiogram. 24-hour hour heart monitoring, a stroke neurologist called and told him he had a mini-stroke. His uh, family doctor's taken him off of work. He'll have to wait for test results. Thank you for the prayers of the believers. And then also from Brother Virgilio, good afternoon, Brother Ed. I've been praying for the church service tonight, an update on my situation. I'm feeling better every day since Sunday. I have a feeling that they will send me home in a day or two. I give all the glory and praises to our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your prayers. God bless you richly. Amen. We're so happy. The devil comes and he tries to bring gloom and God turns it around and makes it to his glory. Thank God for that. Also, I just maybe wanted to mention, let's continue to remember a couple of other needs in prayer. Brother Homer Longorio has been diagnosed with COVID. He's at home. He's had some ups and downs. We want to remember him. Also, I was speaking to Brother Norm Lacouzier. Many of you don't know him, but he's been quite low. He's been having a hard time keeping food, and he doesn't know when his last days may be, but he says, when I get to the other side, I'm going to run and dance and shout and if that's what God's will is, if God wants to raise me up, then let, let him do it. So we want to remember our brother, and uh, so keep him in your prayers. We're going to um, uh, just sing a song, and then we're going to have prayer, and we'll just get right to the word tonight. So let's just sing, I need thee, I need thee every hour, I need you. I, 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 I think if we're sheep, we need our shepherd. We need our God. If you have that need and you believe you can touch that high priest, just, just sing that to him now. I need you.
Father, we live in a generation that said they didn't have need of you. But Lord, we confess we need you more than ever. Lord, you are our very strength and you're our life. You're our breath. You're our reason for living. You're our hope. Lord, our all in all is in you. We couldn't imagine life without you. We couldn't imagine being outside of you, Lord. Father, while we're here tonight, we want to draw from you, from the riches of Christ. We want to draw and let our souls be fed. Father, would you go tonight, just move amongst us, both in this building and without. Go to the hospital rooms. Go to the sick. Go to the infirmed. Go to the needy. Not just the physical needs, but the spiritual needs. Lord, you know where they are. There's some unspoken requests. Would you remember those tonight? We remember our brother Norm before you. Oh, Father, we pray your will would be done. Lord, would you just be nigh to our brother? You're still the healer. Nothing is impossible. Would you be in his situation? Would you be near Brother Homer? Would you be with Brother Virgilio, Brother Lloyd, Lord, the many others? We want to pray now. Bless the word as we read it. Lord, bring us to a place where that same Jesus that came to earth one day, that same Jesus that's here today, the one that we'll spend eternity with, would you come? We've done, Lord, our part, but now may you do what no man can do. Father, may you feed our souls, we pray. Bless the word now, we ask, as we commit the service to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's go right to the word, Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to use a number of scriptures. I'm going to just get right into the thought. Matthew chapter 11. And I want to just draw a little bit from where we've been past Wednesdays, taking a little bit of the time period of history when Israel was in their captivity. And it's not just history because the Bible is not a book of history, but the Bible is a book of types. There's no new thing, but it identifies where we're at. So we want to take this e event, this portion, this time. I'm going to read first, though, from scriptures that don't quite pertain to that, but let's just catch this. Matthew 11, verse 25, and we'll start the reading there. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So it's hidden, and it can be revealed. And then Jesus would go on to say, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, what, what's he saying to learn? Learn of me. Not, not learn about me. Not learn about all the doctrines and all that. Learn of me. But he says this, 
For I am meek and lowly in heart. Learn of my nature. Learn of my character. And you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. St. John chapter 10. Picking up the reading now from verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear, hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catches him and scatters the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is a hiring, and he cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And I am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so I the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. One more, John 17, couple of verses, chapters over. John chapter 17, verse 4. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. Now, O Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. And he said, Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name, I that those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be filled. And then just verse 26. I have declared unto them thy name, and I will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. God bless his word. You may have your seats. I'm going to move a little quickly. I do want to get to something, but Revelations 22, verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is athirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this pro prophecy, God will take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. I'd like to speak, if I can, for a short while on the hidden nature 
within the Lamb's book. Now, the Lamb's book of life was written before the foundation of the world. And in that, before there ever was a speck of stardust, God already had a picture in his mind of a bride. And I'm not going to have time to pull all these things out of the, the quotes and the places, but I just trust, go with me. Take the thought and let God speak to us. God had a book, and maybe it wasn't a literal book that was bound in, in paperback or leather or whatever it was, but God had a book. It was a record of eternal life, and it was called the Lamb's Book of Life. So right from the beginning before the foundation of the world, God had already ordained that there would be a lamb with a certain nature, with a certain, a certain uh, characteristic, a certain expression that was of God himself. And that nature would be there and that nature would be expressed in a book and in that book would be people whose names were written in that book. In other words, there were identifiable characteristics of the Lamb and also of those that were in that book. So God had ordained this book right from the outset. Now, remember, God is love. God is a fountain of love. There is nothing beyond it. If you've ever come into the presence of God, you cannot, out, you cannot even begin to fathom what God is and what's within His presence. And I believe we've scarcely touched that. But the little that we've tasted, I'll tell you, it's worth everything. It's worth leaving everything of this world. It's worth putting everything aside. Now I want to read two quotes just to start here. Brother Bannon would speak in the message identification. And he said, now he's talking about um, Jesus, the... the calling him the Christ. This, this reflected his loving, noble character. God reflected it in a man called Christ. No one could do this. There was no character in heaven that could do it. See, he was God. He had a sinless nature. He was the Word, the sinless nature of God. He was the Word's expression. Watch the Word that was at the beginning. And if you are in the Lamb's book of life, you are God's expression from his thought. He's seen you, and he's seen your desire before there ever was an Adam or anything else. And you are his thought made word and expressed in what you are now. That's God in you reflecting Christ. He would say now in the message why it had to be shepherds. The great shepherd was smitten. The great sheep prophet, when he was smitten back there, it was finished. As soon as that shepherd was smitten, it was over. Sin was settled. There was no more sin. They were clean. The penalty was paid. Now the believers whose names were written in the book of life predestinated from the foundation of the world. It was finished the very minute Jesus said it was finished. Oh, he was the great shepherd that had come for his sheep. It was finished. The hidden secret of his great heart was revealed by a prophet shepherd. It was revealed by a prophet shepherd. 
And he said, now he would, I need you to listen to just this part. No wonder the mountains jumped and shouted on that day. No wonder the believers sang, rejoice. <laughs> that's not in the quote, but that's just added. Sorry, I'm not adding to the word. No wonder the sun hid its face and screamed for joy. No wonder all nature broke loose. The wind shook the trees. They all joy. They all shook and shook and joyed and jumped. They saw that prophet shepherd on the mountain redeem every name on the book of life. Now listen to this next word. And they seen that their own nature was redeemed. They screamed and they jumped and the world went into an earthquake and the mountains rent. Everything when that shepherd reveals to you, it's finished. So he didn't just reveal your name as uh, 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 out of a book, but he revealed, he redeemed your nature, the real you, the part of him that was in you. And that's the part that is what we live for. That's what's expressed when you go to work on Monday morning. That's what's expressed when you're at home. That's what's expressed when you're at church and worshiping Him. That's the nature of God. That's what He's bring, brought back to us. The part of Him that was at the beginning. Now we sing the song, Since I Saw My Name on the Book. It's not a literal book, but I believe it's deeper than that. There's something that goes beyond what the natural ear hears. There's a, by, on the Bible, you know, every, every denomination, every believer believes that this is God's word. This is a book of life. It, it's life to us. But we need to find ourselves in these pages. And so it's not just reading the outside book, but it's reading what's contained within the words of this book. It's catching the nature of God. The nature of God when David refused to take uh, and kill God's uh, anointed, which was uh, Saul. The nature that was expressed through the prophets. The nature that was expressed in the law. The nature that was there. It's more than just outside words. It's more than do's or don'ts. It's something greater than that. So it, it is... We, we often emphasize the outer. We'll emphasize the doctrine. We'll emphasize the correctness of the doctrine, of, of the code, of, of behavior, of dress, and, and outward conduct. And, but if you can get the inside nature right, the outside becomes a reflection of something greater. And so there's an outer, but God has a way of communicating that goes way beyond, and it goes right down to the inner. Now let me read this out of the Church Age book. Brother Bannon would say, Jesus, by the Spirit, in every age, addresses himself to one person relative to the word for that age. Only one messenger for each age receives what the Spirit says to that age, and one messenger is the messenger to the true church. Now he would say, he speaks for God by revelation to the churches, true and false. So he, he would say, it's, it's sent to one group, but he speaks to both the true and the false. And he says, the message is broadcast to all, though it is broadcast to all who come within range of the message, 
<clears throat> it is received individually by, excuse me, by a certain qualified group in a certain way. Each individual in that group has the ability to hear what the Spirit is saying by way of the messenger. They are not getting their own private revelation, nor is a group getting their collective revelation. But each person is hearing and receiving what the messenger has already received from God. Oh, thank God for this message. Friends, we, we can emphasize all the deep things of the message. But the prophet, when he walked, he exemplified the spirit of Christ to us. He exemplified a nature to us that was not the nature of William Branham. It was not just the nature of a prophet either, but it was the very nature of Christ revealed in that. And he would, make, he would bring messages. Sometimes I think it does us good not just to, and I say this for ministers as much as anybody, not just to cherry pick quotes, but I think we need to listen to the message. Listen to how it's expressed. Listen to how it's done. And I, I tell you, I've, I've enjoyed listening to it more than ever. But listen to messages like blind Bartimaeus. Listen to messages like God has provided a lamb. Listen to messages like Jesus with dirty feet. Because they exemplify the nature of God that's required to carry this message. You can't just take it superficially. It's got to be carried by the Spirit. I, I say, let us go deeper than we've ever gone before. And I'll say, when you go deeper, it's not going to bring you to a new revelation, but it'll only make this written word more real. Now he would go on to say, and I, I need to just... Be conscious of my time because I really want to get where I want to get to. But I know that you're coming on a holiday here soon, so we'll, we'll, we want to make the best of every moment, don't we? Now, let, let me go into this. Brother Adam would just say, and he talks of himself a little bit. In the book here, and if you actually follow Brother Branham through, he talks about the Lamb's Book of Life, the Book of Life, but as he goes into latter messages, in particular, you can go into invisible union, but as he goes further into it, he begins to differentiate. And, and you know, a prophet is walking in the revelation also as God is revealing it to him. So he says in the book here, there's a spot where we were talking about the two books were being one. He says, first, the Book of Life, the first book of life coming up when you were born was your natural birth. But then one time way down there was a little grain of life, as I was explaining to the sisters at the house this afternoon. There's a little grain of life laying there, and you wonder, where did it come from? Where are these strange things? Now, he'll say in another place, as a child, you knew you were different. You wondered about things. You thought about things. That was that little seed of life that was in you all along. And he says, I, I says, for taking for myself, William Branham, well, 40 years ago, the William Branham isn't the same one tonight. If somebody would have said to me, would back there would say, William Branham was a rank rascal born of Charles and Ella Branham, 
Yes, in their, nat- in their nature, I was a sinner. I came to the world a liar. And all the habits of the world laid in me. But down in there too was another nature present that was predestinated there by God. In this same body, there were two natures there. And you fight with your old nature, but there's a new nature that you need to feed all the time. And it's coming forward more and more. I'll tell you, I'm not just looking to turn the page on another year. I am looking to turn the page from time to, from history and time to eternity. Now he'll say, your first desire... Now, he says in, in Invisible Union, your, your natural desire was to cut your hair, to wear shorts, to paint your face. Your natural desire, you know, that, that, yeah, that goes, goes for men, too. They wear war, war paint, and they'll go out and do things, too. But, you know, listen, I, I got I to keep going today. Your natural desire is to be intellectual. A smart man knows something better than the other. So he moves it from the physical into a spiritual realm. That's what Eve wanted. That's the very thing that she wanted. Now, I want to just take and springboard from that and go back to Genesis chapter 3. Turn, turn me to Genesis chapter 3. This is now just after the fall. You know, I don't, it's not every service that we go from Genesis to Revelation, and this one's not one of those because I actually went to Revelation first, and then I'm going back to Genesis. But that's okay. Genesis chapter 3. This is after the fall. Now, in the garden there was two trees. There was a tree of life and there was a tree of knowledge. And man would have come to the tree of life had they walked in obedience. Now, when they're cast out of the garden, God says this in verse 22. And the Lord God said, Behold, a man has become as one of us to know good and evil. Now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever... Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. He drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turns every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, much of Genesis is written in symbology as Revelations is written in symbology. So when you think of the garden, you think of cherubims, and you think of these things. But, you know, to the natural eye, that was not visible. But God was protecting the way of the tree of life. And it wasn't a natural tree, per se. Because, you know, the tree of knowledge wasn't just a natural tree, either. So it it was, now God was going to keep man from coming to it. So now there was cherubims that were driving man away from coming to the real kernel of who God was, lest they would partake of that and live forever. Because once man sinned, God's word could not be broken. Man had to die. So God's word had to be fulfilled. And in order to do that, he had to put this blockade, or he had to hide himself. And I'm using these words. If you look at much of the Old Testament, they don't talk about the afterlife. They don't talk about a life beyond death. They don't talk about these things because it was hidden to man. Job would be the first one that would really partake of it. And he'd say, I know a tree dies, but what of man? What happens to man? So God, much of the Old Testament, there was a, it was a, an anointing that would keep man from going too far. But yet God would begin to let out himself and his nature in small degrees, preparing the way. So here he 
keeps the way of the tree of knowledge, uh, the way of life. In other words, he hides his nature, his real being. He doesn't let man in on it. He doesn't know that. But yet he reveals it to whom he will. Now that's what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 11. If you're still in Genesis 3, pop over to chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And I said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now without going into whole serpent seed and whose father was who, I, I'm just going to speak to believers. But it's really interesting how the Bible does this here. Adam knew his wife, and she conceived Cain and Abel. And immediately in chapter 2, the nature of both of these boys is expressed in what they give themselves to, in what they will begin, what their natures are, what their vocations are. So we see here is Abel, who was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So let's just follow through on Cain a little bit because Cain would look at the ground, what was in it, what it held for him, what he could get out of it, what with, with watch where it led him. So if we go right over now and, and we pop over to verse 3, and it says, and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of, gro of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel also brought a, uh, a, 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 an offering. Let's just go on to verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now, remember, Cain brought of the ground. Now, the ground in Genesis 3 was cursed. There was a curse on the ground, and, and Cain was yet looking to operate within the curse, if I can say it that way. He was oblivious of what God had done and the need to alleviate the curse. So it, he brought something that looked good to the natural man, but it was void of revelation. It was void of an understanding of the nature of God. Now we could follow that through. We know how... Uh, there was a, um, uh, a battle between the twins. There was a whole thing. I'm not going to get into it. But look at where this, this revelation took him. Verse 16, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord, and he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And there he builded a city and called the name of the city after the son Enoch. So he built a city. So, and where did he get the materials from? The ground. Where did he get the knowledge from? Where did he get the nature from? Where did he get the desire and the very expression of what he was doing from? It wasn't of God. And you follow it through. And he brought forth, you know, in, in verse 22, and he was a, brought forth the instructors of every artifice and brass and iron. Where did the brass and iron come from? The ground. All of these things came from the ground. And that was the nature that began to express. Now, I don't got time to go into all of that. Pop back to chapter, verse 4. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. Now there was something about Abel. These, 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 these boys both lived in the, in the same house. They likely heard the stories of what happened in Eden. They likely understood these things. And maybe 
You know, as Abel was listening to the story of Adam and Eve, and they were going from the garden, they said, and we were naked, and God clothed us with skins, and there was blood all over us. And maybe at that moment, something beat within Abel's heart. And, and Cain, he didn't care, that didn't matter. But, it, but Abel, there was something about it. And he didn't know why, but he was attracted to sheep. He was attracted to these animals. He didn't understand why he, he would be attracted to these animals. But as he looked at these animals and he thought about his, how God made a way for his mother and father to come out of the garden, he thought about how God could make a way for him. And he began to think about it. And it was then he brought forth the, the best of his lambs. And he began to... I, I, you know, I could read so much of this, and I, pardon me, I don't want to go completely quick, and I don't want to just take forever. You want to you wanna read this? Go to this message. It's always meant so much to me. The cruelty of sin and the penalty it cost us to rid sin of our lives. I can see little Abel. I see him reach the little grapevine, reach and get a male lamb. From the old mother you, he wrapped this vine around the neck. He's dragging him. Now, there's not much beauty in that, is there? Brother Branham says. He's pulling him and he brings him up to a big rock there at the east end of the gate. Cain had probably toiled all year to make the best of the crop that he could, thought he could please God by that. He said, so many people, they think, I'm going to quit lying, I'm going to quit stealing, I'll quit smoking, I'll just be a better class of people. But God doesn't want you to turn a new page. He wants you to turn your heart to God. He wants you to turn your heart to Christ. It's not what you do. It's not your good works. It's by His mercy that we are bought. Look, notice, he brings that little fellow bleeding along. He gets a great big rock. He lays him on the rock. He takes a piece of sharp rock. I don't know. I guess they had no knives in those days. He takes him to the back of his head. He pulls him up, and he takes this sharp rock, and he begins to chop at his little throat. Now, the Bible says that the Lord had respect to this offering. A lamb being hacked to pieces. He says, that rock died the lamb, bleeding, bloating, bloody, splashing, arteries cut, the blood flying all over. The little white wool became bathed red with blood. And God looked down from heaven and said, that's it. Now you got it. That's the way. Now, Brother Branham would make this statement. Because it wasn't just in what was done, but it was how it was done. And it was the identification with what was being done. Abel went out and he killed it this, on the sacrifice block. But remember this, Abel died on the same rock that his lamb died on. He says, are you willing to die? And he says... When I think of that rock and that lamb, I think, oh God, have mercy. I think of men and women who have pride and young women who will give their lives over to things. Why don't you crawl up to Calvary tonight? Let your life be hacked. Let it die yonder on the cross. 
See, it wasn't just the lamb that died. It was a part of Abel that died. When Christ died, it wasn't just him that died, but it was all a part of all that were on the Lamb's book of life that died. And when we look at Calvary and we experience Calvary, we recognize that should have been me. And we reverence that. Oh, friends, we need to identify it. It's deeper than the story of our old rugged cross. But it's actually identifying with it. Okay, I, I need to move it along. But brother was just speaking the other day and he was talking about the lamb in creation or the sheep in creation. Because sheep are actually helpless animals. Brother Branham would talk and he says this. He says... Not long ago, I was watching a lamb in Africa. It was grazing peacefully. And all at once, it became nervous. I, I wondered what was the matter with the little fellow. He says, you know, a sheep cannot find his, back, his way back from where he came from. He's lost completely. That's why the Lord likens us to sheep. When we're lost, the only thing that can bring us back is the shepherd. And this little fellow was bleeding, and he wandered out from the coral. And I wondered... The corral, and I wandered in the grass way below. The little fellow couldn't see it. See, a, a lamb or a sheep can't smell its enemy like the other, like a deer. But he could sense that death was near. He could smell the sheep. You know, he could smell what was coming. And it would get the lamb, and the little fellow became to be nervous. So sheep can't help themselves. My brother was just saying, you know, sheep and, and domesticated sheep are one thing, and sheep in the natural. But sheep really... Aren't, aren't the survival of the fittest. They aren't, they aren't the strongest ones to make the survival. They need a shepherd. They're helpless. But yet God ordained them in creation for a reason, for a purpose. Just like He ordained a shepherd and He ordained the sheep that belong to the shepherd. Now, Brother Bannon would say, I need to move this along a little bit. And, and, and this is in God's wrapped gift. And he would say, those stinking shepherds. <laughs> I like the way he dramatizes things. Those, the people would hardly have them around. They laid out there and they slept with the sheep. On the same ground, you know, they would smell just like the sheep. You could tell when they were coming. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And he says, okay, yeah, we, we all got to be sheep and the shepherd. We all got to be one. And he says, anyone knows that a shepherd that herds sheep lays at the door of the sheep? Jesus said, I'm the door to the sheepfold. I've often wondered how it was. But the shepherd puts the sheep inside the fold. Then he sleeps at the door. The sheep can't get out without crossing over him, and the wolf can't get out with crossing over him. He is the door to the sheepfold. Oh, I'm so glad Jesus lays at the door of our heart. We can't go out. He can, the enemy can't come in without him knowing for it. That ought to make us cry and shout and thank God for such a shepherd. Oh, I thank God. He says, have you ever thought of the privilege of talking with a shepherd or being one? I'm fixing to say something, but the shepherd stays so much with the sheep 
till he even laughs like the sheep. He talks like the sheep. He smells like the sheep. That's right, because he's the sheep. The shepherd, naturally speaking, is the sheep, is the lamb. Okay. Now, there's a simplicity that's associated with the shepherd. And, and uh, let, let, me just, let me just read this for a moment. Because Brother Branham, well, I, you know, he, he is, he laughs, he smells like the sheep. Go with me for a moment. Genesis 46. My, oh, my, time's just slipping away here. Genesis 46. I need to bring this in for a reason. Genesis 46, verse 31. This is when Joseph has gone to Egypt. He has been in prison. He has been in Potiphar's house. He's been in prison. He's ascended on high. And his brother comes. He's revealed his brothers. Now he's meeting Jacob, and they're going to meet Pharaoh for the first time. And so, you know, this, this is Joseph, which is a type of Christ. And Brother Adam said it was, he was almost perfect. He had just one scratch against him. This is the scratch. And so Joseph, in verse 31, said to his brethren, I'll go up and show Pharaoh and say to him, My brethren and my father's house that were in the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for their trade have been to feed cattle. They have brought their flocks and their herds that they have. And it shall come to pass when Pharaoh shall call you and say, What is your occupation? And you shall say to him, Your servants' trade have been about cattle from our youth even till now. We dwell with our fathers, and he says, and we dwell in the land of Goshen. And he says, you got to say this because every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. Now, the, the Egyptians were too cultured to identify with shepherds. Then verse, in 47, verse 1, and Joseph came and said, and told Pharaoh, my father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds, they're all come out from the land of Canaan, and behold, they're in the land of Goshen. And he took his brother and five men and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, what's your occupation? And, and, you know, they didn't mince words. They didn't care what Joseph said. We are shepherds, both we and our fathers. And Pharaoh must have cleared his throat. <clears throat> okay, yeah. <clears throat> so I said all of that because shepherds were actually despised. They stunk. They did all of these things. Now, I, I, I need to just now, my goodness, the time is just slipping. on me. Now, recognize all the way back from Abel, God demanded sincerity with the sacrifice. God wanted a feeling. He wanted our nature to identify with the nature of the lamb and the sacrifice of the lamb. So there was an outer form, and it became a ritual over time. And it wasn't in the heart. And, in, and you know, they would lay their hands as he would talk on the bleeding lamb. But after a while... You know, they just brought the lamb. They just went back and forth. They just went back and forth. And it became, as Brother Branham would call it, a stench in the nostrils of Jehovah. Isaiah 58. Let's just read this. And this is where Israel had gravitated to for so many years. And so in Isaiah 58, verse 1, and, and he, would, he would say this to, the, to them. He says, cry aloud, spare not, show my people, their transgression, and the house of Jacob, their sins, they seek me daily. They delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness. They have forsook not the ordinance of God. They ask of me ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching me. 
And they say, wherein have we fasted, and thou seest not? Wherein have we afflicted our soul, you take not knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. You exact your labors. You fast for strife and debate. You smite with the fist and wickedness. You shall not fast as you do on this day to make your voice known on high. Is this a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? So he's saying there was no sanctity. There was no sacredness anymore. It wasn't an acceptable day to the Lord anymore. So it was at this time, and Isaiah was a prophet before Jeremiah, but now Jeremiah comes on the scene, and we move to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 11. And Jeremiah was a prophet, and now Israel, the Jews, were a proud people. And they were proud, and they had forgotten the humility and the very nature of of God in all their feasts. They became religious and, and they forgot how God wanted them. So God had to begin to teach them His ways. Verse 11. Jeremiah 2 verse 11. He says, Hath a nation changed their gods which has no God? My people have changed their glory for that which has no prophet. Be astonished, you heavens. Be horribly afraid. Be very desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So Jeremiah's his message wasn't a popular message. Friends, I, I'm just saying this. The prophet in our last day, if we really take the very scripture of the whole meaning, he says, I will send you Elijah to turn your heart not to increase your thinking, not to increase your knowledge, not to make you more religious, but to turn your heart. Friends, out of this message, there's coming a bride who has given their lives to God, who is not going to go into the tribulation, who is not going to go into the judgment, because their heart has been turned. Jeremiah 16. Or so Jeremiah 6, rather. Verse 19. Hear, O earth, behold, I'll bring evil on this people, even the fruit of their thoughts, because they've not hearkened to my words, nor to the law. To what purpose cometh there to me to incense from Sheba and sweet cane from a far country? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable, your sacrifices, and, and nor your sacrifices sweet unto me. This was the nature of the people at the time of the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah was the prophet as they were going into exile, God dealing with the people. And Jeremiah, he identified with what the people were going through in the, in, as, as, a, as a mouthpiece from God. And you ever want to catch a prophet becoming one with the word? Read the book of Lamentations. Because lamentations expressed God to those people in a man. I, I don't have time to get it, but really think about this. Now, Brother Bannon would, would, would go on to say, and I, actually, I, before I read that, Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel chapter 2. Jeremiah, there's much I could read out of Jeremiah, but Ezekiel chapter 2. Jeremiah was the one who stayed back in Israel, who prophesied they're going out, and he was there. But Ezekiel was one of those that went out into the new land. And Ezekiel, as he's there and, and God speaks to him, let's just turn to Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 8. And I looked, and behold, a hand was sent unto me, and lo, the roll of the book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within 
and without. There was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. So, so there's an outward book that's written, but underneath there's the kernel of the book. There's the heart of God underneath it. Well, friends, have you ever read a, a scripture in the Bible? Okay, I'm, I'm just going to jump ahead one scripture, Sister Ruth. Just jump ahead to 2 Kings chapter 8. Keep your finger here. 2 Kings chapter 8. This is a prophet now speaking to a situation. 2 Kings chapter 8. And if we just pick this up, this is Elisha verse 7. And Elisha came to Damascus. i got to stop and not say what I'm thinking. Well, I'll just say it. D apostrophe mask us. D mask us. Got it. And Elisha came to Damascus, and Benadad, the king of Syria, was sick, and it was told him, the man of God has come hither. And the king said to Hazel, and so Hazel was at the king's right hand, and Benadad was a king, and he says, take a present in your hand, go meet the, the man of God, and inquire of the Lord by him, shall I recover of this disease? Now, God had told Elijah, this man's not going to recover. So Elijah catches the thought of God. He's not going to recover. He sees the outer written book. And Hazel comes out with a present to meet him, and, and, he, and, he, and he brings every good thing of D, mask us, 40 camels burden, and he stood before him and said, the king, Benedict has says, shall I recover of this disease? And Elisha said to him, you, thou mayest certainly recover, howbeit the Lord has showed me he shall surely die. Now, right about this time, something happens to the prophet. And as it happens to the prophet, and, 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 and he says, and he settled his countenance steadfastly. So as he's looking at the situation, there's the outer book written without, but now he sees underneath it. And his countenance, till he was ashamed, and he begins to weep. And Hazel said, why weepest thou, my Lord? And he answers, maybe a vision broke before him. He answers, because I know the evil that you will do to the children of Israel. Their strongholds will thou set on fire. Their young men will thou slay with the sword. And you will dash their children and you will rip up the women with their child. Now he's seeing beneath the situation. And Brother Branham, as a prophet, he would speak what was coming, and then he'd say, watch the Spirit follow this, and knoweth it not. Watch what's behind this. Friends, there's a written word, and there's something underneath that written word. And it's identifying, as Brother Stephen would speak on, we're living in the harvest time, the maturing time. The nature of every seed must come forth. That which is in the world must come forth. The nature of denomination must come forth. But also what's in us must come forth. Hazel says to him, is your servant a dead dog that he should do this thing? He didn't believe. But you know what? The unconverted human heart is like a tinderbox. Just needs a little match from hell. And that's where this world is coming to. And he says, the, and Elisha said, the Lord has also showed me you'll be king over Israel. So that makes the prophecy sense. Shall he recover? He said, he could recover, 
but he showed me that he'll surely die. Why? Because he saw what was behind that man. Okay, I said all of that. Let's go back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 2, he says there was something written within, without. Now in chapter 3. Moreover, he said unto me, son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll and go speak to the house of Israel. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> eat the book. <laughs> so, the prophet and the prophecy were all becoming one. And the spirit and the prophet and the bride will all be saying the same thing. And so I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat the roll. And he said, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll that thou givest thee. Then did I eat it and in my mouth it was as honey and sweetness. Oh, wow. This sounds so familiar. I don't have time to go into the book of Revelations tonight. Friends, there's a nature associated with eating this book. Not everybody can eat this revelation. Not everybody can. There's a craving in our mouth for it, but the working out is bitter. When the three wise men came to Jesus, each one gave a gift expressing what they thought he was. One said, this is gold. This is deity. One said, this is frankincense. This is service. The other one said, this is myrrh, bitter myrrh, death. All of those were part of the picture. Now, I, I'm really, to set this up, I'm just about where I want to get to. This was at a time when Israel had become religious. They'd forgotten the true nature. But remember how we read a couple of Wednesdays ago, Jeremiah 32? God had a Jeremiah's nephew our uncle, I think it was his nephew, go and take an earthen vessel and hide within that their inheritance in the land. Now, within the earthen vessel of Joseph was redemption for Israel. Within Christ is everything that we have need of. Our original nature is in Christ. Now Israel had come to a place where they come very religious. They didn't know those things. And it even reflected in the shepherds. Now quickly, Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23. Friends, I'm going to just be a little bit longer tonight, but I, I need to get to something. And I, I just really feel to do it this way tonight. Jeremiah 23. Now this is in verse 1. Woe to be to the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Therefore saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my flock. You have scattered my flock. You have driven them away. You have not visited him. I will visit on you the evil of your doings. And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whither I have driven. Now he starts with a rebuke that is to the shepherds. Because the shepherds did not follow as well as the sheep. Now, this, is, this speaks to me every time I read it. But look at the nature of Jehovah. I will bring them again to their folds, and, I will and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more. 
nor be dismayed, neither will they be lacking, saith the Lord. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will arise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. He goes on to say in verse 6, And in those days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall, be, shall dwell safely, and in his name whereby shall be called the Lord our righteousness. So this is the chief shepherd. So Jeremiah catches this, but now over in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel 34, verse 1, Ezekiel is also catching the spirit of what's going on here. And the word of the Lord came to me and said, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. And he says, prophesy, saith the Lord unto them, woe be to the shepherds of Israel that feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Now he's talking spiritual shepherds that are not aligning themselves like natural shepherds should be. And he says, you eat the fat, you clothe with the wool, you kill them that are fed, you do not feed the flock, you, the diseased have you not strengthened, neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought again that was driven to way. Friends, I read this. This, is, this has been open in my Bible up in my, my bedroom where I have it for quite a while. And I say, Lord, let us be true shepherds and true sheep. I, I can't read all of this, but if you read all of this, go right down to verse 10, and it's a rebuke to what was in the land at that time. And remember, history repeats itself. Now in verse 11, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I... Even I will both search out my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that is among a sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will deliver them out of all the places where they've been scattered. And I will bring them out of from out the people and will bring them to their countries, to their own land. Verse 14, and I will feed them in good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be and they shall lie in a good flock. Verse 15, and I will feed my flock and cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. Now, you want to read further in there? It's not just the shepherds. He talks about the sheep that are well-fed that use their prongs against the weaker sheep. The world is in a hierarchy system. We got one shepherd, and we're all sheep under that one shepherd. I set all of this up because it was after Jeremiah, after Ezekiel, after Daniel... They all came back in their land, but then there was a 400-year period where there was no more prophets. And the land, Sister Ruth, you can cue that up, and the land had come to a place where it was set up for a change, something that all the Old Testament had prophesied was now to be made known. Now, I'm doing this in a different way tonight. I came across this a few weeks back. Some of you may have seen it, but I think it's very indicative of what was then with what is now. So you can just turn the lights back here. Sister Ruth, you can play that. 15, 20 minutes. So it'll be a little later, but just stay with me. This will be the Christmas part of our message. Sometimes a picture can tell the story better than we could. 
as the musicians come. I want to read this. Brother Branham would say from why it had to be shepherds. The great wisdom of the Father makes man's wisdom so foolish he belittles the man. He actually comes to a place where it makes a man feel ashamed of himself, where he's not too big enough to admit he's wrong. The Father proves the word is true. Man thinks his wisdom is superior to God if it doesn't come according to his wisdom. What inspiration came to those herdsmen? Angels coming to speak to herdsmen. Angels of God coming to speak to a bunch of shepherds. Why? Because shepherds are humble. They know the sheep. They could receive what the others could not. You know, we could have spent time today talking about Christmas and traditions and don't get involved in this. But let's just look to the real. That's the real. That's the way our Lord chose to come to earth. That's the way he comes today. And the humble receive him gladly. Those, Jesus would say, learn of me. I am meek. I am lonely. This year the world is shut out. We can't get together for Christmas gatherings. But you know what? We can invite the lamb into our house. We can have a time with him and rejoice and delight in him. Let's just read one scripture. John chapter 20. This is when Jesus is speaking to Peter at the end. And Peter, and this is be in verse 15. And when they had dined, John chapter 21, rather, verse 15. And when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. Now just think, these are the last words Jesus speaks. And he said unto him, Feed my lambs. And he said unto him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my sheep. And he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Amen. We are the sheep of his pasture. He's our shepherd. He's given us the right way. Let's stand together. That was a little different way of bringing the message, but I trust it means something to you. And I trust that you'll know that Jesus is the same today as he was back then. I love him. I love him because he first loved me. I love him. I love him because he first loved me. 
Jehovah made flesh, the Lamb of God, the nature of God that was always hidden from the foundation of the world. And the common people heard him gladly. He bypassed a lot of wise and prudent men, a lot of religious people, even in this last day, to come to our door. He's still that same lamb today. Jehovah in a manger amidst the stink of animals and shepherds. Jehovah in a manure pile. Don't you love him tonight? Maybe somewhere in the next few days, if you just take some time, just honor him for what he's done for you. Let him make himself more real to you. All those that are written in that book will have his nature. For when he redeemed them, he redeemed everyone. Let's just sing the chorus again. I love him. I love him. this evening Heavenly Father maybe a little broken up in the thought and the way but Lord I pray that the outward and you would make yourself known by the inward you would make yourself real you would express your nature Lord when we think of how you came then and how you've come in this day the people you came to then and the people you came to this day, you haven't changed. Oh Lord, may we never get so great in our own minds, in our own thinking, 
that we forget the humility of the Lamb of God. May we never forget the sheep that we're associated with. May we never forget that you are the shepherd that gave his life for the sheep. A lamb came, identified with sheep, and has become the shepherd. You came at the end before you left and you said, I have lost none of them. And Father, I want to thank you that you thought enough of me. I want to say thank you for the great plan of God. I want to say thank you for the little tug in my heart. I want to thank you for my brothers and sisters and the wonderful plan of redemption. Lord, would you go with us as we dismiss? We may not have gatherings like we usually do, but oh Lord, there's one that we want to welcome. And we welcome you into our homes and into our lives. And we pray that we may have fellowship with you. Lord, if there's someone that wouldn't know you, would you just step into the, out of the shadows, make yourself more real to them. Lord, we want to tell you how much we love you and how we thank you for your nature, your life. Lord, it's more than life to us. Lord, we want to commit ourselves as we'll dismiss here now shortly. Would you come and just go with us? We want to thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm trying to think of the song, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy. Jesus.